0: I started to hear myself telling the same story over and over and over again. We all do this in life, we tell the same story. But because I was, people were always asking me, who am I and what am I doing? I, it was so pronounced that I was saying the same beliefs, the same ideas, the same kind of self pity that I started to become conscious of well, who might I be if I told a different story?
1: Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. We talk about things like purpose, legacy, sex, influence, love, Success, entrepreneurship, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to www.mantalks.com. So today I get to introduce an incredible gentleman by the name of Jordan Bower. He's got an amazing story, which you'll hear. Uh, And after graduating from the Richard Ivey School of Business, Jordan's education in storytelling actually came from a decade. Ten years spent backpacking the world, highlighted by his solo trip, uh, which was 316 days walking from Canada to Mexico. Incredible. Following his backpacking trip, Jordan founded Inspired Communications, a strategic consultancy based on the West Coast of Canada. And his diverse roster of of clients include a utility-scale solar developer in Dubai, a National Association of Financial Advisors in Canada, and an international boarding school based in five countries. He's been a featured speaker for many conferences and workshops, including the Hollyhock Retreat Center, Thinklandia Ideas Festival, and the Future of Storytelling Summit in New York City, which also featured Al Gore, Margaret Atwood, and Edward Snowden. That's a pretty serious roster. So, you know, initially we brought Jordan on to talk about building your story, building your personal narrative, how to get it out there, um, you know why it's important to understand your your personal narrative, and you know whether whether you're leading a team, whether you're wanting to get a promotion, whether you're you know just trying to be more self expressive in in the dating world or with your partner, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're maybe you're looking to get your brand identity out there, whatever that looks like. That's why we brought him on. But interestingly enough, the first little bit of this conversation we dive into relationships. And Jordan shares some of his insights into what makes a really healthy relationship tick and some of the things that he's learned from past failures in relationships. So this podcast is jam packed. And uh, without any further ado, I would like to bring in Mr. Jordan Bauer. All right, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and uh, welcome. Thanks, Connor. It's a pleasure to be here. We love to start off with a question in and around, um, you know, sharing a defining moment for you uh, in in your life and, and how it's actually shaped you. So, if you can share that with with us, that would be awesome.
0: Sure. So, on June twenty first of two thousand and ten, I was living in Vancouver. And I came home. It was the summer solstice. I came home late in the evening just as the sun was kind of setting out over the Pacific on the longest day of the year. And I found a note waiting for me on my kitchen table. Uh, and it was from my girlfriend. And in basically, it's, we're talking not, not post-it size, but not much more. She laid out something that was quite obvious from the empty dresser and the empty closet. She had left me to go live with another man. And I'd like to say I reacted heroically, but what I actually did was uh, went over to my computer, unfriended her on Facebook, (laughs) and rolled myself a joint and kind of sat there stewing in what I could later call humiliation and heartbreak. She'd left me to go move in with this other man. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, I was in total reaction mode. I didn't know what to do. All I could think about was trying to think of ways to get her to come back. We've been together for about a year and a half, but it had been one of those really intensive relationships where my whole life revolved around this particular woman. And so thinking about ways to get her back was obsessing me. And I was thinking of more and more dramatic things I had to do because obviously when someone leaves you with a note, then there there needed to be something even bigger that was going to win her back. So about two and a half weeks after she left, I uploaded a video on the website Kickstarter, which is, of course, a crowdfunding website. And in the video, I outlined a plan to walk all the way from Canada to Mexico. Now, what I didn't tell anybody in the video, but was part of the backstory, was that this was actually her idea. About six months earlier, she'd come up with this idea. We've been chatting about it for the, the subsequent six months. I like to say that we fought about it the way that other couples fight about the toilet seat. And in the course of that period, it was really clear that I didn't really want to walk from Canada to Mexico. I mean, why would you? It's such a far distance. Who would want to walk through America, of all
1: places?
0: (laughs) I was suggesting, you know, going out and traveling. We'd we'd traveled in Asia before, so I thought, well, why don't we go somewhere a little bit easier? We'll sit on a beach. We'll go hiking in the mountains. We'll have a much more um, kind of down-to-earth, grounded, and, and in my sense, safer trip than walking across the U.S., but my girlfriend was adamant. And so when she left, I posted this video that said, I'm trying to raise $5,000 to make a photography project about walking from Canada to Mexico. And I had hoped when I uploaded this video that this would, that she would see it and she would see my commitment to her idea, which I would hope she would interpret as her, my commitment to her. And even if I didn't get the money, that she would, something would touch her inside and she would decide to leave the guy that she was with and come back to me. But actually, the opposite thing happened. In nine days, I ended up raising $5,000. And on that ninth day, I went for sushi with her down in Gastown in Vancouver. And I kind of said, hey, I've got the money to do this thing we've been arguing about for six months. The thing that you want to do, let's do it. And she said to me, no, I'm in love with this other man. And I'm in this relationship. And good luck. And so from there, I ended up doing it on my own.
1: Hmm. I mean, that's a really powerful story, man. I think... You know, I think a lot of guys can relate to that. There's some, there's some pretty key pieces in there in terms of, you know, handling the situation and trying to win her back. And how much do you feel like the sort of being like the overly nice guy and doing everything for her? Because it sounds like there's, there's a piece of like living in the relationship for your partner. How much do you think that that played into the sort of uh, separation? Uh, I would say the whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think in retrospect, I was really tied up, not just in her, but in my idea of women in general. Mm. I, I would say that I, I gave away my power and was always out there trying to search for people to give me my power back. Mm. And I would look at very base uh, characteristics of women, like how attractive I perceive them to be or how powerful I perceive them to be as ways that I could then go out and win the best woman who would then in some way redeem me from having to find my own power myself. Mm. And and ultimately, the story has, for me, I think, a happy ending because over the 316 days I spent walking down the West Coast of the US by myself with a backpack on my back, I grew this big ass beard that I put flowers in when I walked across the Golden Gate Bridge because I'm a bald guy and I've always heard if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to put flowers in your hair. (laughs) And so my beard was my only choice. But all, all through that journey, I spent a lot of time looking at, well, how had I put myself into this situation? At the beginning, it was, well, you know, what did I do to drive her away? But later it was, well, what choices did I make that I would invite someone like this into my life? Why, where was I complicit with this kind of dramatic breakup? And when I started to look at my history of relationships, I saw this complicity with being hurt or being second best. So a big lesson I had to learn along the way was, not how do I be the best, but how do I be the best in my world? How do I give myself permission and authority and power? Those were really big ongoing themes that I learned through all these experiences that I had along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because there is this, I think a lot of men really struggle and a lot of guys that I've worked with in the past and, and work with today really struggle to find the space between the like really nice guy who's who's giving up a lot of things just to try and make his partner and or not even his partner just other people in his life happy and on the other side of the spectrum you know the asshole and everybody's trying to avoid being the asshole and at the same time aren't getting their needs met when they're in you know they're in the space of just like the really nice guy because they're not getting their needs met and so there's a lot of people that struggle with finding the in between space And so what are some of the things that you, that you really learned out of that in terms of asking for what you need in a relationship or, or being able to have, be whole, I guess in, in your, in yourself so that you show up to the relationship as a whole piece instead of, you know, um, looking for the other person to fill you. What are some of the pieces that you kind of learned along your journey that are really important?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think the big thing I learned is that when you are being, when I was being a really nice guy, I was actually being an asshole because in, in trying to create this perfect version of myself, I was denying the things about myself that were real. And one of the key things that I was trying to repress was my own emotional existence. And I, at the time, I think like many guys, my my experience of emotions were they're weak they're or they're something that don't have weight to them in the way that kind of the logical left brain has, you know, this makes sense. What's the right thing to do in the circumstance? I was really obsessed with what is right. And what I started to learn is that my emotions have a validity in my choices. They're not my whole choice. I don't want to react emotionally all the time, but I want to integrate, oh, how am I feeling with What do I think about this particular situation? In integrating those two pieces, I can start to figure out, hey, what do I want to do? How do I want to act? How do I want to be in the world? So the big lesson here is, yeah, number one, if I'm trying to be nice all the time, I'm lying. And in a certain sense, I'm being really violent to people by pretending that I'm something that I'm not. And then the second piece is, okay, now that I understand that I have emotions and my emotions have a reality, how do i give language to them how do i talk about them how do i own them those were those are two really key pieces for me
1: yeah i mean those those are really really good because you know it's it's funny like a lot of the times and this isn't again you know just because we're talking about this idea of you falling into the nice guy category like i've been there too i was there in high school and i gave up everything like i would you know sneak out of my home and walk thirty minutes in minus thirty weather at like twelve o'clock at night. I would lose sleep. I would skip class. I would bail on my friends, bail on my family, and just never really like stand up for the things that that I believed in and my and my core values and, and and beliefs. And I think a lot of guys fall into this because in a sense, a lot of quote unquote, nice guys at the end of the day, they all believe that if they're good and, and if they do everything right, they'll be loved and they'll get their needs met and they'll have a problem free life. And the, the, the problem is, is that because they're not speaking and staying true to what they actually need, then it's really hard to get those needs met. And, you know, I've, I've definitely been there. And so I think that your advice is, is extraordinarily sage in terms of how you've, you know attracted relationships now how has that shifted just so that people can maybe hear what's possible on the other side so how has that shifted your relationship dynamic now
0: um well i'm in a relationship right now with a wonderful woman and what i am challenged to do is to speak my truth and which means setting boundaries i have to set boundaries a lot with with what do i want what do i actually need and in a certain sense my perception of what she needs know, like I'm always I'm finding that our relationship is this ongoing dialogue where where I'm I'm kind of feeling out how is she feeling in this moment and how is she feeling in that moment? And how do I feel about the way that she's acting? So I, I still have an aspect of the nice guy and that I deeply care about my partner. And at the same time, my whole life doesn't revolve around my partner. I have an independence. I stand on my own two feet. And if something doesn't work for me, I'm really quick and clear to express why it doesn't work how it feels about the fact that it's not working and what I'd like to change or what I'd like to do differently and then I'm opening up that conversation as a dialogue to say well how does how does my expression make you feel sometimes frankly it's overwhelming for my partner because we talk and we're processing things all the time and sometimes she just wants to drive and listen to music and watch the scenery
1: <laughs> it's uh, but it's a good point because like having those dialogues and having that conversation is 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 the really important piece because I think something that you touched on earlier when you said that when you're not ex- not really expressing your needs or, or wants or desire in a relationship, you're still trying to get them met right like you're, you're still trying to to get those needs and wants met. And so what ends up happening is a lot of a lot of nice guys instead of voicing their opinion um, and and saying what they actually want end up being a little bit manipulative and controlling to try and get their needs met coercively. You know? Not just a little bit, but a lot manipulative and controlling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of the funny thing. And and you know, at the same time, like the women that I've all the women that I've talked to, because we have a lot of women that come to Man Talks, they've they've always said like, we just want the truth. Like we don't want somebody who we have to try and guess what they want in a relationship. And we don't want, you know, to be with with the man who just maybe doesn't know what he wants or is confused or isn't able to communicate that like we want to be with somebody who who can actually have that dialogue in an open, conscious, honest, and very respectful way. And that's that's powerful, right? That's integrity. That's that's respect and, and honoring your words. So it's a huge conversation, man. Um, so thanks, thanks for bringing that up.
0: You're welcome. And I want to just say that that's part of it. Obviously, part of what we're doing when we're doing this work is trying to show up well for women in the world in general and the one or more specific women that we choose to be in a partnership with. But that's not the be all and end all, not to be too coarse, but like the the five seconds or 10 seconds of pleasure that you get once a night or once every couple of nights or whatever it is that that isn't the defining moment or I don't believe that that should be the defining moment in one's life. It's certainly not for me. I like having that. I like having sexual relationships with my partner, but I also find satisfaction in my work. I also find satisfaction in my relationships with my friends and my family and my community and my society. And I find that I'm better able to do that because I stand on my own feet and I prioritize that stuff as well. One kind of anecdote that comes up for me is I live in Victoria and not far from where I live, I'm about three blocks down to the ocean and there's this big long breakwater that goes out into the ocean. And every evening when I go walking down there, I see not less than let's say 75 or 80 or even 100 people who are playing this new game called Pokemon Go. (laughs) you know so so you see all these kids walking around not just kids walking around holding their phones and and i was out there the other night and i was sitting out by this small little lighthouse and there was a couple there who would just come back from a festival and they had a guitar and they were singing tragically hip songs because the hip had just played here in victoria and we're watching the sunset and the the waves were crashing against the breakwater and the wind was going and there were boats from with whale watchers kind of coming back in and it was beautiful and as we're sitting there in this really beautiful moment, behind us, there were five or six people who were all clustered, fighting the wind, looking at their phones because they were at a Poké Stop and they needed to wait, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute before they could move on. And there, and nothing wrong with playing games, but there was something about that situation that felt so unreal. And I felt sad to see that they were missing so much real life experience. And of course, you can watch a sunset at any time. I'm not saying you have to live life the way that I want you to live life. But if you're really caught up in the notion of someone else's rules, whether that's a game or a woman or the particular culture where you grew up in, then you miss something fundamental which comes from inside of you, your own sense of authority or your own sense of permission. Mm. I don't know. Something about that is really resonant for me whenever I see
1: these Pokemon Go people. (laughs) No, it's it's very, very, and I love that you... Tied that tied that back into uh, to relationships and showing up in the world. So yeah, very cool. Um, let's let's shift from the relationship topic and talk about your journey. Like, dude, you walked from Vancouver down to Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) by four feet, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, our listeners are probably like, um, don't skip over that. I want to hear about that. So, just out of curiosity, like, what were some of the highlights from the trip? Um, what were some of sort of like your realizations along the way and, and maybe just some moments that, that you'll just never forget.
0: Sure. So just to contextualize this, I spent 316 days walking about 3000 kilometers. I walked through the three Western States of the U S so Washington, Oregon, and California in, in Washington, it's hard to reach the coastline and the coastline is really rugged. And I had left at the end of the summer. So I left September 1st, 2010 and I tried to get as far south as I could because in the Pacific Northwest, the winters are really wet and really cold. And and obviously, that's not a great time to walk. So I walked mostly on the the shoulder of the highway across Washington State until I got to the Columbia River, which divides Washington and Oregon. And then once I crossed the Columbia River, I walked the whole coast of Oregon, which is about 360 miles, to get to Northern California. And then from Northern California, I kind of combined – Walking on the beach, so walking on beaches, walking on trails, going up and over headlands. With sometimes when there's cliffs or there's the the headland is impassable, I had to go up on the road. So I walked a long stretch of Highway 101 and Highway 1 through the redwoods, up through Northern California, down through uh, if you know where Sonoma County is, Mendocino County and Marin County, over the Golden Gate Bridge into San Francisco. And then more or less the whole coast of California to reach Los Angeles and ultimately finishing at the border fence between Southern California and Tijuana, Mexico. There's a big bull ring right there, and that's where I finished. And and along the way, I had a big backpack. So I had a thermo rest I had a tent, I had a cook stove, I had a sleeping bag, I had a frisbee and a harmonica. I grew this big ass beard. And every night I would wait, or every day I would wake up and I would have no idea who I would talk to where I would sleep that night, what I would eat, what would happen to me on the road ahead. One of the big differences between walking and riding your bike or doing a road trip, for example, is that with walking, you're stopping all the time. So if I'm walking through a town and I, and I, you know, I walk by someone's front, how, front yard and there's, and there's a woman out front and she's uh, working in her garden, she might wave at me and I might wave back and she might have the time to ask me where I'm going. And I would say, you know, I'm walking to Mexico. And people would say, you're walking to Mexico? Come on in, sit down, let's have a beer, let's have some tea, let's talk about where you've been. And so the beauty of this journey was that I met literally thousands of people along the way. And every time I would meet somebody new, I would have the opportunity to go into my story. And as you can imagine, at the beginning, my story was... I'm heartbroken my girlfriend just left me woe is me my my story in essence was a ton of self pity and after about 6 or 8 weeks as i started to have different experiences i started to hear myself telling the same story over and over and over again we all do this in life we tell the same story but because I was, people were always asking me, who am I and what am I doing? I, it was so pronounced that I was saying the same beliefs, the same ideas, the same kind of self-pity that I started to be unconscious of, well, who might I be if I told a different story? Who might I be if I frame myself as, as, oh, this relationship ended, but it wasn't actually that good a relationship to start off with? So maybe I am taking a trip to not to repent or not to feel the pain of this breakup, but to find something new, to find a different version of self. And, and that idea started to pull me deeper. And as you'll, you'd expect, you know, walking and and being exposed to the elements, being aware of the tides and the phase of the moon, I was so intimately connected to the kind of natural world that I really got outside of my old existence of where I was I grew up in a city. I have a business degree. I have a university degree. So I got to start to think about, well, who am I in relationship to this bigger thing? Spirituality, the, the world, the universe, whatever language you want to put around it. And so a lot of my experiences were deeply soulful in the sense that I was really searching inside of myself and trying to figure out who am I? What's this thing all about? What am I doing here? And in that sense, I really think it was kind of an initiatory experience. It was a way of ripping me away from, the, the beliefs that I had before and putting myself out into a new world where I had to discover a new identity in a certain sense.
1: So would you recommend it to, to people to, to walk the uh, 3,000 kilometers?
0: I would recommend that people do whatever is calling to them. Hmm. I don't think my journey is the right journey for everybody. And, and one of the things that I've learned is that you can actually find deep insight by walking around the block, let alone walking across the country. But I do think that the most important part of it was getting outside of my comfort zone and starting to look back at who am I and who do I want to be? And, and I'll say that as I dug deeper into the stuff, the 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 kind of the path, the inner path led directly back to my parents. And I think that that's probably true for most young men who are going through something similar. One of the big consistent experiences of humanity, whether you're a man or woman or whatever gender you identify as, is this notion of breaking away from our parents. We all grow up in this self-enclosed world where our mother and our father, whether they're alive or dead or present or not, are this incredible uh, reinforcing experience of what's possible, what's, what's authoritative, what we want to be in the world. And then we hit this period of adolescence where we start seeing ourselves accelerating quickly towards our parents' vision of ourselves, but also starting to flirt with, well, who else might I be? What happens if I break the rules? How do I rebel against that authority? Mm. So what I think was so important about what I went through was was the beginning of trying to search for who am I independent of my parents? And personally, I think that that's a big thing that a lot of men in our generation can start looking at. Kind of separating from the idea of our parents as being either these perfect beings or these terribly imperfect beings to try to find that in between. I spent a lot of time thinking about the humanity of my parents, which doesn't make them good or bad or redeem them or not redeem them for the bad or good things I think happened to me when I was younger, but more to say like, Hey, these are just two people who are fucked up in the way that most of us are fucked up. So how can I find a way to forgive my parents for just being normal and let that be the new start from to give me kind of permission to go out into the world and do what I want to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really great message because there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, men out there and women out there that have that sort of narrative and story and around their parents and and aren't really clear on the the sort of role that, that they play within the actual family dynamic. And being able to dive into that and see where you fit in and being able to see your parents as, you know, maybe just normal human beings and not not perfect human beings and not overly messed up or, or whatever the case may be to whatever the story the narrative is, is, is a really powerful, um, powerful journey. So in terms of the sort of like, highlights, I'm curious, like along the way, you know, I've, I've done the drive from LA up to Vancouver on the West Coast, and there's some absolutely stunning stops along the way Were there, you know, what were the moments that were just kind of awe inspiring for you along the way? Sure.
0: So in terms of beautiful places, for me, nothing could beat the Redwoods. And I was, in, um, I was in this incredible place called the Redwood National Park, which is just north of Eureka, California, almost as far north as you can go in coastal California. And I was there in late November. It was a terrible gray pouring rain day. And I found myself on this beautiful isolated beach where like for as long as I could see, all I could see was mountains and these incredible trees and the fog hanging low and the waves pounding. And there was a big rainstorm. And I remember walking in the rain and, you know, these these, these sunspots would come through the dark gray clouds and kind of illuminate me. And it was It was one of the times when I really could viscerally feel the power of nature. And then that night I ended up camping. Um, There was a clearing by a little creek, a a flooded creek, and I ended up camping there and watching the spectacular sunset. But as soon as the sun set, I started to realize and think about the fact that I was totally isolated in a tent. I had been drenched all day, so I was freezing. The temperature must have been dropping to near zero. And... I fell in a space where I was absolutely and totally petrified of being attacked by bears. I was I was lying in my tent and imagining, have you ever seen that cartoon where there's two divers and they've got a spotlight and they're out doing a night dive and then there's sharks right outside of the spotlight kind of sharpening their forks and knives waiting to eat these, these divers? I felt like that was exactly what I was. There, there was a, a dozen bears out there and they were just waiting for me to close my eyes so that the moment I fell asleep, they could come in and devour me. I got, I got in this belief, you know, like a tent is such a tiny, thin piece of material. But I was totally convinced that I was safer inside of this one millimeter thick tent than I was outside. And so I'm lying there. I'm starving. I haven't eaten any dinner. And I'm so petrified to make any food because I'm convinced that the smell of the food is going to draw the bears. Anyway, I was, I was crazy. And and isolated and scared and lonely. So that was one of the from one of the most beautiful experiences to one of the worst experiences on the trip over the course of the day. I love it. I love it. But in terms of people experiences, like the way to be quite frank about this is I was I had just turned 30. I was walking across the country. I just gotten dumped and I was heartbroken. Like, what do you think I did? I tried to sleep with every single woman that I met along the way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I literally tried to sleep with every single woman that I met along the way. And when I reflect now on my journals, because I wrote pages and pages, I can see myself falling in love with women, not just on a weekly basis, but sometimes on an hourly basis. And it was amazing to see how consumed I became with these, these women, like that I would have a passing encounter with. A woman would drive by me and wave and make eye contact And I would become consumed with the idea that she was about to make a U-turn. She'd fall in love with me too. She was going to let go of everything in her life and put on her backpack and start walking with me. And over the course of many, many encounters with women, some positive, but a lot negative, I started to realize that maybe that wasn't actually what I wanted, to say nothing about what they wanted. So I had a couple great encounters with women that were really explicit in teaching me that lesson. And the one the one other story I want to say briefly is that I was in a place um, near Monterey, California, south of San Francisco, south of Santa Cruz, when I walked into a coffee shop in the morning and I was kind of chatting up the barista, telling her I was doing this big journey. And I heard a woman beside me who struck up conversation and I asked her what she did. And she told me that she was a sex coach. And I said, really, you're a sex coach. And she says, yeah, I teach this technique that's called orgasmic meditation. Have you ever heard of orgasmic meditation? Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of it at the time. And she kind of described as this ritual where you give uh, clitoral stimulation to a woman for 15 minutes. And she tells me a little bit about this process and I'm kind of describing all the things I go through. And she says, well, given what you're going through, it seems like this is a, this is a great thing that you should learn. Here's my phone number, call me tonight and I'll, and I'll teach you this lesson. <laughs> so I ended up on a, her, she was from Colorado and she was staying on a Navy base with her sister who was a devout Catholic. This woman was also once a devout Catholic before her divorce at 25. She said to me, there's two paths to enlightenment, the ascendant path and the descended path. I'm on the descendant path. And I didn't know, what, like, was she going to give me textbooks? Was she going to do a PowerPoint presentation where she was going to go through and try to teach me this technique? But no, once I got there, we had the house to ourselves. She led me up to a bedroom, dropped her pants, got on the bed and kind of instructed me in this technique. And so here I am with this strange woman I just met a couple hours before who's who's instructing me through, no, up, now left. Now the upper left portion of the clitoris has more nerve endings than the other ones. And she's really walking me through of like how to pleasure a woman. And then at the end of it, it was like, well, nice to meet you. See you later. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of the <laughs> experiences for me on this
1: trip. That's hilarious. This is such a formal interaction. Well, thanks. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Shake your
0: hand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And, and away you go. Oh my goodness. um all right, Jordan, so let's uh let's make yet another little shift and, and and just get into what you do before before we have to end because I think what you do in the world is is very powerful and it, and it's a telling of, your journey and and what you've gotten up to. So uh, maybe just give our listeners a little bit of a background in and around what you do now.
0: Sure. So when I was walking, and I think I kind of referenced this earlier, one of the things I talked about or thought about a lot was how shifting my story brought about new possibilities. So as as long as I was heartbroken guy who got left with a woman, left by a woman, and would never find somebody again, you can bet that I was a heartbroken guy walking around convinced uh, actually not attracting anybody into my life. And the moment I started to shift my sense of what was possible, I started to see how my life changed. I met different people, I saw different opportunities, people literally perceived me differently in the world. And so, once I finished this trip and came back, I started to think about how I could help apply this to the society that I had left. I think everybody or many people at least in this world are familiar with the hero's journey, which is which is the kind of going out to find something within yourself that that can then be redeeming, but then importantly brought back to this society that Joseph Campbell called, called it the jury of sober eyes. You can go out and find something, but then bring it back to people who haven't been on the journey and have it make sense for them. So over the last couple of years, I've developed a business as what I call a strategic storyteller. And what I do is as simple as that. I help leaders, but also businesses reevaluate their, who they are in terms of their story And construct a new story that brings a different type of world for them. And often this is framed in a marketing context. So just as an example, these past two days, yesterday and the day before, I was working with an international school here on Vancouver Island. And they're a great school. They're they're not one of the most expensive schools, but they're a school where international kids from places like China and Mexico and Hong Kong and Germany come to study in Canada in high school. And they have a problem that many businesses do, which is how do we tell our story differently in a compelling way that's going to help bring us more business? And so I facilitated a two-day workshop with eight of their staff to really go through and try to figure out what is our authentic story. So my job in this circumstance is not to say, well, you know, you guys should rebrand yourself as the new Harry Potter Hogwarts. But it's much more to say, well, what is it that you really do? And how do we isolate the parts of your story that are compelling, that are interesting, that are unique, and that really resonate with you as a group? And then let's start looking at who your ideal audiences are and try to match your story to the kind of story that they're looking for. So storytelling for me becomes a metaphor for not just marketing, but also the way a business conceives of itself, which maps over to uh, HR, which maps over to strategy, and which maps over to change management. So I'm using storytelling as this vehicle to bring together parts of businesses that tend to be quite divergent. So everyone's sitting around the table and saying, who are we? What's the experience of us in all of these different facets? And how do we draw more people to us by telling a more authentic and genuine story?
1: It's not so much about like the individual um, like do you coach on storytelling as well and actually give like public speaking? Um, you know, tips and insights into that? Or is there more about the story curation itself?
0: I do both. And I'll say that one of the books that has really influenced me, influenced me in this area is a book called Reinventing Organizations. I think the guy's name is Frederick Laloux or Lalonde or something. And he talks about this idea of integral theory. Do you know what integral theory is? No. So I'm just learning about this, but it's an idea by a philosopher called Ken Wilber. And of course you can go and Google it. But the basic idea is that any issue can be inter- is a combination of four intersecting perspectives. So there's the individual perspective, which is my perspective. There's the collective perspective, which is our perspective. And then there's the interior and the exterior perspective. So right now, even as we're having this conversation, there's me talking, there's us talking, there's what I'm saying, and then what I'm also thinking inside. And each of those perspectives are separate but converging or intersecting. And in a business context or in a storytelling context, the external perspective is often what do we do? How do we act? What are we selling? But then the internal perspective is how do we feel about the way we're acting? What do we believe? What's our vision for the way that we can move our organization forward? Who do I want to be through, you know, doing this podcast or running this business? And what I'm finding a way to do is to jump from all perspectives, jump between one perspective to the next. So if, whether you're doing individual public speaking, individual storytelling, leadership coaching, it's all the same. It's a combination of what am I saying? What do people think about me? But also what do I believe about myself that's coming through in the words that I'm saying? And that's quite deep, right? Like often if you talk to someone long enough, they'll, they'll reveal themselves. Like um, I've all often heard with border officers. I used to date a girl when I was really young who was an immigration officer. And the strategy with border officers, immigration officers, is they just want to get you talking. Because if they get you talking long enough, usually someone who is hiding something is going to fuck up. They're going to say something that is is inappropriate for the situation or is emphasized poorly. And it reveals that there's something there that's not quite true. And then the officer can start to dig at that. And I find the same thing in my work. If you get people talking, even a couple paragraphs or a couple minutes, you start to get the sense for what do they believe that's not totally true and then I start digging at that and that tends to be a treasure trove of kind of
1: creative insight. In terms of like tangibles for our listeners out there and, and how to actually, you know, curate their own story in the context of what they do in the world or, or how to communicate that more powerfully, um, what are some sort of tools or, or other questions that you would give them? I
0: think the most important thing to know about a story is it's not a piece of content. Like my story that I'm telling about my walking trip, I tell differently every single time someone asks me about it. I don't just go through and say, this happened and then this happened and this happened. I'm trying to listen to you to try to figure out what youth are going to find interesting and then speak to that, speak in that voice, speak with those specific examples, speak to your audience. Some of that's strategic. Like I know who your audience is, so I'm trying to customize what I'm saying to them. But some of that is emotional. I can actually feel inside of my body when I'm connected with somebody versus when I'm not connected with somebody. Another way to say that is if I can tell that somebody's bored, I probably should change my story. I got to do something. I either have to make them laugh. I have to, you know, to change the, the framing of what I'm doing. I got to find a way to get them feeling engaged because when they're feeling engaged and when I'm feeling engaged, that's the realm of creative possibility. That's when something special can actually happen. So, so much of what I do with my clients is helping them work on their own sense of emotional awareness. Am I engaged in this conversation right now? Is my listener engaged in this conversation right now? Because once you kind of have that off on switch, if you know that someone's off, then you, you got to do something differently. And then it's a tactical issue. And if you know someone's on, once you have someone and they're on, you can do anything you want with them. And the most, most beautiful metaphor here, of course, is sex. Sex. Because if you're with a partner and you're connected to the partner, you feel and hear their enthusiastic consent, then you know that there's a wide range of things you can do. But if your partner isn't with you, you can still do those same things, but you won't have the same level of connection, happiness, emotional experience in the moment, pleasure in the moment, and emotional experience afterwards. So for me, storytelling and sex are the same thing, the same approach, just a different way you're expressing yourself through your mouth as opposed well <laughs> you, play it out. What you want you express yourself through your voice as opposed to expressing yourself through your body but ultimately it's the same expression the same kind of relationship so i would say for people who are trying to be better storytellers really think about how would you fuck your audience <laughs> do you want to do you want to seduce them do you want to make love to them do you want to pin them against the wall like all of those things are appropriate in certain contexts And it's up to you to develop a sense within yourself for when each one is appropriate. When are you getting enthusiastic consent for each one? And then go to wherever you want to go.
1: That's that interplay that I think is so important in storytelling. Awesome. That's really, yeah, I mean, that's a really powerful and and apt way to put it. All right, so rolling along my friend because we have to start to wrap it up um i'm curious as to what is the legacy that you would like to leave in the world you know we've we've kind of touched on relationships we've talked about um you know hiking and, and kind of like taking this incredible adventure and leaving your story and telling your story uh and what's so i'm curious as to what the legacy is that you want to leave behind
0: you know i i think about that less than i think about growth because I'm really aware, I'm really aware. I'm a 35 year old man, and when I'm a 75 year old man or an 85 year old man, hopefully when I get there, I'm going to know a lot more about life, about myself, about the world, about the way things work than I do right now. And so I I try not to be presumptuous about about the way things are. I think I don't know if you're about the same age as me, in your mid 30s.
1: Uh, yeah, early early 30s, yeah.
0: Early 30s, yeah. There's a sense I've gone through, especially when I finished that walking trip, of like. Life is just getting better and better and better. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more powerful. I'm getting more knowledgeable. My, my view on the world is the dominant view. And I know that many younger people tend to think that way, that whether it's science, whether it's technology, whether it's new initiatives that come to the world, we know better than anybody else who exists. And the older I get, the more I have appreciation for deeper, longer lasting forms of knowledge. One of the simplest ones is a fairy tale. You know, you think about these fairy tale stories, so stories like Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or, you know, Stiltskin or something like that. Stories like that have passed through thousands of years of human beings, which means they they've been distilled to kind of their essence of truth. Otherwise, they wouldn't have evolved through all these generations of ongoing storytelling. And so the way I see myself in the world is spending a lot of time studying and learning about story helps me to become part of this long chain of storytellers. And what I'm trying to do is distill the truth, understand the distilled truth in this mythology and in fairy tales, try to express that and add to it or augment it in a way that feels right for this current environment, and then hopefully pass it on to whoever's going to come next so that they can do the same thing with the next generation. I think That's the role that I see
1: myself in right now in the world. Very cool. Very cool. That's a good way of putting it. Um, Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. Shoot. What would the title of your autobiography be right now? Momentum. Cool. Uh, The one experience you'd recommend to anyone. Hmm. Bungee jumping. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most underrated trait for modern day success. Most under listening. Mm, I agree. Uh, the one book that you would take with you if you are stranded on a desert island? Ooh, I just reread
0: Infinite Jest by David Foster
1: Wallace. Infinite? Jest. Okay. Um, the one movie that you would take with you? Ooh, uh, my favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. Oh, classic. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's the bomb. Uh, your single biggest lesson uh, from your the work that you do? Hmm.
0: That... That there, how can I say this? Um, the the potential, the creative potential that comes with letting go of plans. So say it differently: letting go of the need to uh, understand what's going to happen creates something different. Something like that.
1: That makes sense. Nice. It's like it's letting go
0: of the need to always be in control.
1: Yep. Yep. I got that. Um, who do you think is the most influential person? Of our time and why? Hmm. Oh, that's such a hard question.
0: I think what's wonderful about our time is that there's everything is so interconnected. But I was just th- talking about Elon Musk. He put out a new uh, blog post recently, and he so he comes first to
1: mind. Mm. Wonderful. And so, Jordan, where can people find
0: you? So I have a website. It's Jordan Bauer, J O R D A N B O W E R dot com. And that's where I do my professional work. Um, there's a newsletter that you can sign up on. I often do workshops. I speak at events here in British Columbia, but also uh, across the continent and, and increasingly around the world. And I'd love for people who are interested in some of the things I've talked about, whether that's professionally, whether that's personally, whether they need help figuring out what their story is
1: for themselves or for
0: their business. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to start a chat.
1: Wonderful. All right. So if you're, when you, if you're out there, check out Jordan at jordanbauer.com and uh, we'll have the links in the notes below so you can check that out. And don't forget to go to mantalks.com for more podcast blog posts and any videos from the events which are going up as we speak. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And uh, don't forget to man it forward and, and leave us a message on iTunes because it goes a long way to getting the podcast into the ears and onto the phones of other people. Um, We are in now several cities in Toronto, Miami. Uh, We're going to Denver, Atlanta, Calgary, Ottawa. So stay tuned. Check out the, the website for an event that's coming near you. And thank you very much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man.